Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, our good friend and favorite activist Garland Favorito had a victory on Friday in court where they are going to let him and his team inspect the ballots. There are a few restrictions put on him. They are looking for 145,000 mail-in ballots that they want to look at for some irregularities that auditors found, and there was no recourse at all when the auditors found these irregularities. So when you hear people say, in Georgia, they had recounts, they had audits, and we, they still certified the election. That's because irregularities found in the audit had no remedy. So Garland and his team had four people who were involved in the audit swear affidavits to the court that they saw some problems with the ballots that they looked at. Mail-in ballots that didn't have creases, so they couldn't have been in envelopes, that looked to be of a different paper stock than the two authorized paper stocks of all the other ballots, and that looked like it might have already been printed out, filled out. So like with a toner rather than a pen or pencil. Garland feels confident that the process that they are going to use, even though it does have to do with uh, high resolution scans and maybe visually inspecting the ballots without actually touching them unless a problem is found, he's fine with all that. There was a little wrinkle in that they're going to make Garland and his team pay for the employees who have to be Fulton employees that actually handled the ballots. He's okay with that too. We do want to help him raise some money. So if you're interested in that story, we're putting it in the feed today, our conversation with Garland over the weekend, which by the way, mega, mega thanks to, I'm, I think I know who it was, but somebody, some fan of our show and no agenda sent a clip uh, op- the opening clip of our conversation this week with Garland, which basically lays out what I just laid out to you, sent it to No Agenda and they played it on the air. So that was pretty cool. Their latest episode at two hours, 17 minutes and about 45 seconds, they've got a clip of ours. And the, and you, uh, yeah. the point that they make that Dvorak makes on there is a good point. It, it's that you're getting no content about the substance, about the substance of what's going on from the mainstream media. They're just demonizing it. And, and right. Garland and, and you, you gave a, you gave substance that you, they're not getting anywhere else. Just right up front there in the beginning of the show. Yes. And that's all we do with Garland. That's all we do. He knows the stuff, especially about the Georgia one. Sometimes we get him to opine on Arizona and all that. But mainly it's the stuff about the lawsuit that he is pursuing and he is getting some success. And what we do ask for some contributions, Binkley and I, and uh, took some of our prop report donations. I hope no one minds and contributed it to this specific need they have. So if you do, if you can afford a few bucks, go to voterga.org and donate. That is, I think he said they're going to need like $20,000, he thinks. So we're doing our part. We really hope that if there is one thing you could chip in, please do it. But whatever, if you can't afford it, don't give it another thought. But if you can, try. And if you want to hear that show, you can look at it in our YouTube channels, Propaganda Report, Monica Perez, or you can listen to it in the feed today of the Propaganda Report on your favorite podcasting platform. So that's it. Anything else to add on the latest on the Garland case? The thing I noticed, it is in the news a little bit today, and 
another unique way of kind of demonizing it is a this headline here, which says Matt Gates calls Arizona audit launch pad for audits across America. Says Georgia is next. Now, that that might that might not be untrue, but nobody wants to be associated with Matt Gates right now simply by the way they're demonizing well, him in the media. And he is drawing the connection between Georgia and Arizona, which are very different cases. And the the slams that they're putting towards Arizona, I don't actually think they're justified, but they are nothing like the case in Georgia. They, we just don't have those issues. We're not he's not using outside auditors. He's not allowed to, from what I can tell. Uh, until there are actual, unless the Fulton County yep. people themselves find the issues. So that's, yeah, that's a great point. The indivisible material materials are saying that Georgia's using the playbook that Arizona's using, but that's not true. They're doing it differently. It's a totally different case. So it is good to keep up on it. And hey, do I think that the presidential election is going to be overturned? No. Would it be awesome if the Senate race that may have been affected by this were? Uh, affected yes because that would mean that the senate would not be even steven with mama kamala as the tiebreaker so there may be something coming of this but mostly i feel like we need to keep our firm grip on the process because actually even though i am an anarcho-capitalist the bill of rights is our end of a bargain that none of us wanted but we are stuck with let's at least make them hold up their end and go through the process it's a constitutional case garland is fighting it's it's he's saying that his uh constitutional rights to contribute to the election of the president are being diluted by fraudulent ballots and he's and that's going somewhere so it's constitutional case it's interesting and it's important for all of us the other uh but you know it's all about the propaganda isn't it and it's very hard to bust through that propaganda we had a story well i'll tell you just a little thing this is yet to unfold the department of homeland security secretary mayorkas made a kind of um sideways comment in congress recently that raised some eyebrows what he said was that he want they wanted to uh, kind of get ahead of misinformation and disinformation at the kid level. And he, his quote was, we are eager to have additional resources and additional vehicles to address misinformation and disinformation. I should say our department is partnering with the Department of Education to develop a program in the K through 12 arena. So what caught people's eye was this is absolutely propagandizing kids and do you want the government not that it isn't government schools already but this is the federal government there shouldn't even be a department of education at the federal level going in and systematically creating the environment where kids learn how to accept or reject information that rather than evidence and all that they're gonna put some some agenda driven item there and I would just call your attention to what we talked about last week where the sunrise program world economic forum the Markiverse. All that stuff I could trace and trace and trace back to various government organizations, including the Department of State, the uh, contracts of New York tax money, where they were supporting what's called social accelerators, social initiative accelerators. So they take these social engineering uh themes and they they accelerate them they support them and this is the kind of thing that the federal government is if you trace it far back enough is a part of so there's no way this guy is intending to partner with the department of homeland security and the department of education so that kids can look at 
with critical analysis and uh, an objective open mind with an eye towards evidence, plausibility, credibility, logic, all of that stuff that you would want them as an educated a body of of self-governing people in accordance with the First Amendment that you'd want them to have those skills. He's not definitely that's not what this is all about. So let's keep an eye on that. No, story. That, that is terrifying to me right there, because there is a battle over the education system and they are not teaching children to decipher what is disinformation. They are simply telling children this is disinformation and this isn't. And you accept what we say. I saw foreshadowing of that. I've talked about it many times when I was shopping for private schools. This happened on more than one occasion where it was clear and and I have seen since then that there are is like an association of independent schools where they get memos, they get the plan. They they collude behind the scenes on how they're going to deal with this item or that. It keeps it keeps any kind of competitiveness for the student and the family out of the system. So if you want to go to one school or another, if you want these kind of covid restrictions or another, they lock ranks so that you can't choose. And one of the things that that they do talk about is the three ways that you teach kids how to assess information online is authority, authority, authority. And in one example, the authority she offered up was CBS News, the New York Times. Really, uh, I, I don't I, I mean, that's not where you want. That's not what your kid you want your kids taught on how to discern falsehood from truth in the mainstream media. My friend's kid is having to write a final paper on the topic of all of the reasons that make Jimmy Carter a great su- success story. Oh my gosh, that's like the joke I tell. That's like the joke I tell about Common Core, where if you look into Common Core, and I've tried to ca- crack the code on it so many times, and the only thing I came up with, now maybe now I could just, I'm sure people have done, I could just read an article, but back when it first came out, I was like, why? Yeah, I know it's bad, but why? And what I concluded was, and they were defending there like the common core isn't bad because it doesn't have any content. You you can't object to their content. How can they promote an agenda without content? And my example would be, well, because their English grammar unit is going to have uh, a sentence. Obama was the greatest president of all time. Parse that sentence. And yeah. actually, when I went to Georgia, I looked at the Georgia Common Core portal, the website of the Georgia government, and I went to Constitution, First Amendment. Like I just clicked through to the things that I thought were the most important. And the the on the first page of the Georgia um, Common Core that dealt with the U.S. Constitution was a First Amendment question: Is is the bumper sticker "I love titties"? Yes. Sorry, I had to quote it. This is on your. It was on your government website, <laughs> protected by the First Amendment. Like that's that when that's what the Common Core thinks is the pr- predominant issue in teaching kids the Constitution. Isn't that ridiculous? It's very, very ridiculous. So you don't want the Department of Homeland Security or even the Department of Education telling your kids how to evaluate information, especially when their definition of authority is government and mainstream media. Exactly. So here's an example of the mainstream media treatment of a, of a topic that I think could be read a very different way. So uh, you're, there was a... Ryanair. Ryanair is a low-budget airline in Europe. It's probably the largest airline in Europe, something like that. It's big. I believe it is domiciled or 
headquartered in Ireland. And they had a flight flying over Belarus. Now, you'll remember Belarus was fine. This, quote, dictator was the president for decades. And I never heard of him before until he, it was reported, turned down almost a billion dollars worth of funding, either personally or for his country, for if only he would get into lockstep on COVID protocols. And he refused. And after that, it was on. Color revolution underway. That's how it was going to be. And I could tell right away the people behind the opposition to this guy were basically of the same signature as our operatives or George Soros operatives, the young person with this story or that story emerging on social media, getting the protest, young, 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 you know what I mean? So, so the story is uh, right now, I mean, this is the headline story. Like, I don't know how it's going to resolve. Like we need to take action against Belarus. First of all, we're just uh, sanctioning them and we're boycotting them and nobody's allowed to fly over them anymore. And yada, yada. They're saying that Belarus put up a plane to force the landing of a Ryanair plane. Now, Belarus says that the pilot called in a bomb threat and they were escorting the plane down at their request. So the stories are very different. We don't I don't know what the answer is yet. If the pilot called for the request, it could have been that they were trying that that whoever put that in the pilot's mind was trying to uh, create an incident that would demonize Belarus in the public, knowing that they would be able to spin it kind of Northwood style. Yeah, that's crazy because that would seem like something that was easy to figure out. And the fact that we're getting two conflicting stories makes it look like there's some funny business going on. Right. And the problem is that Belarus is the one who's giving the story about why they were there and other people are just saying no. I mean, it's not clear who the authority is on the counter story. But what they did was they they had uh, fire trucks and stuff on the ground when they landed the plane, which kind of, you know, is comports with the idea of um, what happened with that there that it was the pilot who asked for it. And what they did was they went on the plane and they arrested a guy who was uh, pretty freaking out on the plane. So, and that guy, his name was Roman Protasevic or Protasevich. And his story was, they call him, uh, they say in, in the story I read, he was uh, one of dozens of Belarusian journalists and activists campaigning in exile against strongman Lukashenko's 26-year rule. He's the founder of the Telegram channel Nexta, which helped mobilize anti-Lukashenko protests and was charged last year with organizing mass riots and group actions that grossly violated the public order. He is on the government wanted list for terrorism, the Belarus, who we don't like. Well, I looked into this guy, had to dig a little deep because right now, if you just do a normal search, it's all going to be he was this activist, this journalist, this liberator of Belarus. But I did find some articles from the day that he was in Ukraine uh, during the, the color revolution there or the coup that was orchestrated by Victoria Nuland and company against a democratically elected president in Ukraine, which she was in her in the clips of the hidden audio she did not know was being made of her. She talks about their alliance with Tani Book, who is a neo-Nazi. She said, we need him behind the scenes, mobilizing the ground forces. He can't be in the government because it's too controversial, but he can call the shots. We'll put Yatsenyuk in there and uh, 
which is kind of weird because I think Yatsenyuk is like a dual Israeli citizen too. So this is definitely making some strange bedfellows. And this this guy, Roman Protasevich, he was at that po- at that point part of the Youth Front or Young Front, which does seem to look like some symbolic, like the symbology of it, the symbols they use. The, the name itself harkens back to a German youth organization. They are accused by an anti-fascist uh, website, FOIA, F-O-I-A, research, something like that, of being a neo-Nazi organization. So this guy definitely seems sketchy, seems like an agent provocateur, seems like an operative of the anti-Lukashenko forces, not just a grassroots guy. I don't even think he's Belarusian, although he might be. He was in Ukraine. So I would say that story is going to be used to uh, escalate action against Belarus, even though, and I think it was probably a trap, because you cannot break ranks like that and not be punished. That's what I think. He didn't do the COVID thing, and he's going to have to pay. That's, I think, what's been underway for a year now. This may be the next level. Yeah, and this is ongoing right now. Yeah, you know he said, right. yeah. Yes, 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 that's right. So, uh, a few more things. We should probably tell people that you had a little bit of a family emergency. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna take over. Monica's shouldering the weight of today's show. So yeah, thank so you, thank you, you think, by the way, Monica. Yes. You're welcome. I'm just saying, people are gonna be like, "Damn, that girl never shuts up." I'm not never shutting up. No, I'm just she's, doing. She's my covering stories. for me, is what she's. I'm doing. just. I'm. Uh, we're. I'm happy. Oh, happy to help, but I know I've been accused of being a talker, and uh, I'm talking for the cause. <laughs> so, so let me tell you more stuff I came up with. More little tidbits I found. So. I happen to, I, I've noticed there's, I've, I've noticed, everybody's noticed, there's all this talk about the Wuhan virus, gain of function, escape from the Wuhan lab, Fauci and Rand Paul are, are in fisticuffs and, and the Capitol. And I just, all of that narrative feeds into this idea of infectious viruses. And I'm telling you, I'm just not there yet. I know bioweapons might have that feature. I know they're trying to make contagious vaccines, but I just, I, I, this just doesn't feel right to me. And the focus on it also seems like it has a plan. It's everywhere. And I always go back to the fact that when I had this illness, it really felt like toxicity or radiation. It did not feel like any flu or cold I had ever had it. Absent congestion, all that stuff. And I, although I had totally dismissed all the talk of like 5G and whatever prior to actually being ill, afterwards I thought, you know, maybe there's something to that. This feels weird. And I decided to go back and because I also heard that Japan is incredibly low vaccination wise. They have a two or three percent vaccination rate. The Olympics are coming. I, I, they did not have, from what I could tell, a particularly high case rate of COVID, but they are getting slammed. So I wanted to see if Japan had 5G rollout, if 5G rollout corresponded at all with case rates. I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to tell you in a sec. That's so interesting about Japan. I, I didn't know that, but we've known for a while that the Olympics were going to be there, and they've talked back and forth about whether they're going to have them or whether they're not. It's really surprising to me that they decided to move forward with them, despite the fact that everybody knew they were only doing 2% when around the world, especially here in the United States, 
they are putting so much emphasis on getting 70, 80% of people vaccinated. Why are we just now like, like it's weird. Well, I don't know who's, I mean, I guess the Olympic committee could pull the plug on Japan for that reason. Oh yeah. They're talking about it now. Oh, I believe it. And I, and I've read that it's really a mixed blessing when, when a country keeps the case rate under control because then they're not pushed. They don't feel motivated to get vaccinated. And it's like, well, if they can keep the case rate under control, why do you want them to be vaccinated? I'll tell you the one thing I noticed uh, is this Gardasil is that, injection they give adolescents males too that supposedly prevents hpv and uh female reproductive cancers there's been a lot of controversy over that how they did the studies what the outcomes have been and i seem to recall seeing japan take it off of their recommended vaccination list and i thought it was because they are hypersensitive about reproductive issues and that may be the case here too because they have that demographic bust kind of front running everybody else's and i really don't know but i looked to see where they were in the 5g rollout and it seems to be that their 5g rollout is robust however their approach is reported as unique. Maybe somebody listening knows what this means. They disaggregate the hardware from the software and are running a fully virtualized cloud native network. It is leverages only antenna integrated radios from traditional telecom vendors. Radios are fiber fed via the front hole. And instead of proceeding at all cell site cabinets, all processes are happening remotely at a centralized location using off the shelf computer hardware running virtualized network functions. So it's possible that if that is true, that it is kind of remote and it's not like on the ground everywhere, it may be their 5G would not have the same dangers that places like The Hague have identified as being possible. But what I did was I looked at a map of 5G rollout that I found from last summer, and I looked at a map of COVID cases. I tweeted it at Monica Perez Show. I think I actually managed to put some links in the show notes that you could find those as well. But really, it's the overlap is stunning. And what's really noticeable is where there is no 5G, there does not seem to be any COVID. So, yeah. or I should say the real light 5G corresponds with the real light COVID. And then the rest of the places are, I mean, they're just visual maps. They're pretty shocking. Now, correlation and causation are obviously two separate things. I just think that kind of thing is interesting. And then the last thing I'll say is the first person I heard of, uh, of saying that there might be a 5G link to this illness which some still think is a blood illness. Uh, that's what I think. Dr. Cowan, Dr. Thomas Cowan, people know of him. Somebody sent me very nice. Thank you very much for the book, Contagious Myth. He, I, I just saw a headline that he had to give up his license to practice medicine in California. And I thought, wow, like what did he do wrong? And of course, I feel that it was a witch hunt from back in the day 2017, I think he was reprimanded or taken up on a case of telling somebody that this this um, she asked him about an alternative to her or a supplement to her conventional medicine for metastasized breast cancer. I mean, you really that's about that's a death sentence, I think could be wrong, but it was for my friend. So he said, well, you should take, you should do what your doctors tell you. You should communicate with them. If you're looking for something else, there's this GCMAF, I think it was called. And 
you can, if you want to take that, that might help. And he was brought up on uh, a complaint because he did not tell her, it's G-C-M-A-F, he did not tell her that it had not been approved uh, by the FDA. Now, I was looking into it to see what it was, and it it's something that they actually consider as possible therapeutic for COVID. It's something that isn't like quackery. It's got some some meat on its bones. And when they talk about it with COVID, they call it about, they talk about it as off-label use, something like that. So I'm only bringing the story to your attention and I will put the links in the show notes because if you hear that, that Cowan has lost his license to practice in California, you might want to look at the actual documents, which I tweeted, because it seems to me that what he did was really insignificant and irrelevant to what you might think has gotten him into trouble. So uh, I hope that he's doing okay and that he continues to speak his mind about what he thinks the truth is. Yeah, it seems to be that things that people brought up early on in the pandemic, like the potential leak from a Wuhan lab or some of these antivirals and other medications that could be effective that were deemed to be quackery and conspiracy theories from crazy people have now come full circle and are now being looked at by the mainstream who called them crazy to begin with. All this stuff. And so if I bounce from one to one, one to the other, say the Wuhan thing, no 5G, no this therapeutic, whatever, you just have to make sure you're saying it in the right week. Because yes, if you, a exactly. lot of this stuff, if you dig in, it all you can always find the medical documentation of what of what the real attributes of this thing or that thing was the real likelihood of gain of function. I mean, you can do research. It's, you're not crazy to wonder and want to find out, but if it's the wrong week, you're crazy. It, it, it's just true that, that five, that gain of function that they're talking about, the study that was done in North Carolina is one of the ones they're focusing on. We talked about that right when this thing first started, that very case. And now that has come into focus year and a half or however so later. Absolutely. So before we get to our last big story of the free 30, which actually you and I both hit this one and Fox on CNN both hit it. Basically, what is ideal policing? There's some examples of that. There's some treatments of that. It's kind of funny that it hit the news today. I mean, that's where, uh, you know, there's an agenda at work. Uh, but I want to tell you what we're going to listen talk about in the patron 15 we have some witness testimony to the fact that supply chain issues are leading to automation and i want to discuss the nuances nuances of that and oprah and prince harry together again finally (laughs) but before we get to all that i would like to give a big thanks to a new sponsor of the show A product that I had never heard of before, but it is perfect for me as the mother of a child who has Down syndrome. I do not feel comfortable with firearms in the house. I, of course, respect the right to uh, Second Amendment right, but I feel like I'm in uh, circumstances where I'm not comfortable with that. Our new sponsor, Berna Technologies, is a leader in the non-lethal self-defense category, their live safe motto is to provide customers with an affordable device, the Berna HD, it's $359, that allows you to protect your personal safety without having to take a life. I mean, I really like that. Yeah. 
the Berna HD is not a firearm, but it is an incredibly powerful and effective self-defense device that uses pepper, pepper and gas, kinetic, that is hard plastic projectiles that will subdue an assailant for up to 20 minutes, giving its user enough time to escape. You can get to safety in 20 minutes. With an effective range of 66 feet, the Berna HD is more effective than pepper spray or stun guns that have an effective range of 10 feet or less. Currently adopted by law enforcement and private security firms across the U.S. to de-escalate stressful situations before having to resort to lethal means. Over 50,000 consumers across the country have chosen the Berna HD as their self-defense option. Sean Hannity is a loyal customer and has featured the Berna HD on his show without being paid to promote it. And he describes his experiences as a Berna HD owner. He said, I've been telling people I recently purchased the Berna HD you hit somebody with it and it instantly stops them, but doesn't kill them. Berna, I, I love it. The website is Berna, B-Y-R-N-A dot com, B-Y-R-N-A dot com. Use the promo code, promo code PROPAGANDA10 to receive a 10% discount on your purchase. It can't be combined with any other uh, special offers or bundles, but if you use Propaganda 10, you'll get 10%, which is a good number, off your purchase, and they will know that you heard about them here. So I'm very happy with this new sponsor, and I am highly likely to be a customer since that is exactly the kind of thing that I have been feeling I needed. Yeah. So they got the right, they got the right people to to promote their product. And if you want to support this show, that feels like a product you would appeal to you, be useful in your life, then that supports us also. And you can support us directly by going to patreon.com slash propaganda report. And there you can become a patron. And the lowest level, the easiest to access level is the truth sponge level. It's $7 a month. And you get hours and hours of, I mean, every single week of all of this content, but without the promos. And then you get an extra 15 minutes for the patrons. So it's every day, 45 minutes, commercial free of content. Plus you get patron only Q and A's, you get interviews, you get anything that we put out, you get other than the live streams, the cocktail parties and the Rockfin videos, which is a totally separate thing. But when you go to Patreon, if you join, be sure to look at the instructions that should be pinned to the homepage of how to get the RSS feed into your podcast player. So you can listen to the premium content right through Apple or anything else. If there's a problem, once you're a patron, you can access Brad or me every day. You can just message us directly. We answer every single day. So if you have any problems, it won't be more than one day before you get those issues resolved. And we feel like we have hundreds of very happy customers. So you might be interested in that, patreon.com slash propaganda report. And without any further ado, let us proceed to the last free 30 story. Binkley, take it away. The Colorado lawmakers are considering a bill that would convene a study of law enforcement response and training on protecting First Amendment rights and ensuring peaceful demonstrations. And this is in response to how they reacted and handled the Black Lives Matter protest last summer. And 
The research would aim to identify methods to differentiate between lawful demonstrators and outside agitators engaging in unlawful actions and damage. And they want to kind of narrow down how to classify what's a good peaceful protester versus what is an unlawful protester or rioter. (laughs) And the way they were discussing this potential legislation on ABC anyway it was there's three groups we have the peaceful protesters we have the police and then we have the outside agitators and it's this presumption that the violence was mainly caused by the outside agitators who are separate and distinct from the black lives matter protesters it's a very strong effort to distinguish those two it's just interesting to me that They are framing this conversation in this way. And there's nothing wrong with doing a study into this. But the way that they talk about January 6th, I'd like to see a study into January 6th that does the same thing that tries to differentiate in between actual provocateurs and outside agitators versus people who are just there walking around and protesting instead of just blanket getting everybody else. It's interesting that they will accept the presumption that there were outside agitators during the BLM protest slash riots versus they will not accept that presumption when you talk about the January 6th protest slash riots. It's I mean, we know the media is full of contradictions, but that was pretty blatant. There was a, a the reason that you had a story about this. I also saw a story about this as they were trying to push through this George Floyd Act. I think it was called. Did yeah. you happen to see that? Yeah, it's called the um, George. What was it called? The George Floyd. Mm, I think it was named after him. I don't see it. But anyway, it's an act that it was the George Floyd Justice and Policing yeah. Act. So. They are trying to get that through. They were trying to get it through by the first anniversary or what we're told is the first anniversary of George Floyd's death. And the stumbling block, which is weird to me because this is the one thing I would be behind completely, is to get rid of this qualified immunity clause or qualified immunity practice where officers have an unusual amount of leeway in violating civil rights or using excessive force they it's it's in it's designed so that the police don't face lawsuits but for me anytime you remove that's why I like our system. I don't I I don't like statutory law like the French way. I like the British way because tort law case law because and this is why absolutely it's very suspicious to me like for example that vaccine companies aren't subject to the normal recourse anytime you insulate someone an entity or person from being held accountable for his or her actions when you go through that process of getting sued or being held responsible the jury evaluates your culpability they use things like reasonable standard laws you know they they just apply to you the same standards that everyone is subject to and you also get those protections that everyone has as protections and if 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 cops 
vaccine companies, whatever, are all held to the same standard, then we all have an interest in maintaining those standards, in maintaining the civil rights. I watched that great documentary, Ricochet, about the Kate Steinle case over the weekend. And the the defender, Matt Gonzalez, made an excellent point. He said, this was from last year, Trump and others who are screaming that this jury verdict that that and in my opinion personally rightfully got the accused off it, before they scream that this is unjust they might want to they might actually have a need to avail themselves of the kind of protections that every defendant wants because they themselves are being investigated and and they were and what do you want you want everyone to be held by the same standard that is what it means by rule of law versus rule by rulers Rule of law holds everybody accountable to the same standard. So I would support that, uh, getting rid of any special treatment. Now, I'm sure they have their own point of view, and it seems like that's prevailing. But it was funny because on Fox was a big headline that said, South Carolina murder suspect captured after week-long manhunt by force of 300 officers. Police safely captured Tyler Terry without firing a single shot. The days-long manhunt for quadruple murder suspect Tyler Terry came to an end in South Carolina Monday morning without violence after authorities launched a massive operation involving a force of 300 officers to squeeze out the suspect from his hiding place, officials said. So they're really emphasizing that that uh, de-escalation is the key to policing, and I'm sure that's part of the George Floyd Floyd policing bill. Also part of this one. That's also an aspect yeah. of this teaching the stress management type and stuff. I highlighted this in 2015 when Obama had commissioned a task force on 21st century policing. I saw that things were coming down. It looks kind of reasonable the way it is, but I feel like if their goal is to take the force element out of the local police, it's not like government doesn't have force anymore. What it is is that your locals don't have the force, which means that you have to call in the big guns anytime people feel like there's a danger. And I don't care about that either because nobody would feel in danger if our Second Amendment rights were not infringed upon all the time, but they are. So it seems to me there's absolutely no way there's a concerted effort at state, local, and federal level to change the nature of policing, and they're doing it to make us safer or freer. (laughs) Like that's never, ever happening. So with that, I have one big fat shout out for Childerberg. I will be headed to Childerberg this weekend. I'll be there at their Saturday afternoon event, but it's a three-day event. It's got a lot of fun times. There's some camping. Go to Childerberg.com, C-H-I-L-L-D-E-R-B-U-R-G.com. If you want to come see me there, I'm just hanging out. I'm not I won't have a mic in my hand or anything. You'll have to just recognize me. They, Scott Horton will be there. Buck from the Counterflow. Anthony Samaroff will be here with his book, UBI, For and Against, if anybody wants to buy a signed copy. And there's going to be entertainment at the distillery. I think it's going to be a good time. So shout out to Childerberg. Love those guys. And uh, I will see you there if you're going. Make sure if you get there on their Saturday afternoon only, come up and make sure we say hello to each other. And thanks to those guys for doing it. They need donations. I don't even think they charge for it. And it's really nice because 
we know firsthand that it takes a lot of effort to get uh, a venue going for people to be able to meet each other yeah. and meet space. And we really need that, especially when it's local. That's people in Texas, Oklahoma. Go for it. So with that, let us proceed to the patron 15. All right. You guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform or the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to the extra content Monica was telling you about, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and become a patron. We will talk to you all tomorrow or in the patron 15. Have a fantastic rest of your day.